This is episode 113 of Monster Kid Radio, and I thought I'd kick off this episode with the song Die Laughing. This is a live performance of the song by the band Wave Sauce. It's from a 2011 show at Centaur Palooza. It appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio. With their permission, you can find them at wavesauce.com or follow the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. This is Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your producer and host, writer Derek M. Cook, and I want to welcome you to the first part of our epic comic book central monster kid radio crossover event for the next couple of weeks here on monster kid radio we are crossing over with comic book central now comic book central is the brainchild of joe stuber who you've heard on the show in the past we've been covering the abbott and costello meet the monsters movies here on the show well he produces comic book central where they bring comic books to life his focus is getting guests on who have been involved in adaptations of comic book media he's had sam lee on the show he's had gerard christopher on the show he's had william cat on the show and that's just to name a few i mean nicholas hammond the 1970s live action spider-man has been on the show it's a great show it's one that i listen to regularly as soon as he puts out a new episode and i hope you guys and gals give him a listen as well and check it out because we're crossing over with that show for the next two weeks here at monster kid radio as you may or may not know joe stuber was at monster bash so i got a chance to meet him in person and he was on fire he was running around lining up interviews getting content for monster kid radio and comic book central and we're going to share some of that with you guys and gals over the next two weeks here on the show starting with a look at some abbott and costello movies now we're going to take it easy we're going to ease into this big epic crossover event the comic book central monster kid radio monster bash crash we're going to ease into it by doing what joe and i always do here on the show we're going to talk about an abbott and costello film now we've been doing the abbott and costello meet the monsters movies in order of their release, and we are now up to 1953's Abbott and Costello Meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So we're going to talk about that film in this episode of Monster Kid Radio. And then in two days, we are bringing you an interview that Joe Stuber conducted with some of the guests that were at Monster Kid Radio. I'm referring to the ultimate Abbott and Costello tribute show. We're talking about Bill Riley, Joe Ziegler. And Jason Crutchley. Now, these guys put together an amazing Abbott and Costello tribute show. You've heard us talk about them before. You heard Scott and Tracy talk about them. I've talked about them. They are spot on. And they were at Monster Bash, and they sat down with Joe to talk about what they do and why they do it. You're going to hear that in an interview that he conducted here in two days here on Monster Kid Radio. Then on Friday, over at Comic Book Central, you're going to hear me talking with him about our experiences at Monster Bash, as well as, let's call it a potpourri, a sampling of all the other interviews that he did while at Monster Bash. Now, he interviewed Laurie Mitchell. He and I interviewed Beverly Washburn, and we interviewed Joel Hodgson. So you're going to hear bits of that over at Comic Book Central, and then you're going to hear my take on the interviews with Joel Hodgson and Beverly Washburn next week here on Monster Kid Radio. This is a two-week event. I'm so excited that we're finally doing this with Joe. Great guy, great podcaster, and man, that man can hustle. So much so that he and I actually never sat down at the show to record about what we were doing at the show. We had to do that after the fact. You're going to hear some of that on Comic Book Central. You'll hear some of that here on Monster Kid Radio. Before we get to our talk about Abbott and Costello meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I want to refer everybody to monsterkidradio.net where you can find everything you need to know about the show between episodes. You're going to find links to our Facebook group. You're going to find our Live 365 channel, our YouTube page, our Flickr album. It's all there. You can also find me over on Facebook. Like I said, we have a Facebook group, and you can also like us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, so check that out if you're a Facebook user. We're going to talk about our contact information at the end of the show, and of course, that'll be after our conversation with Joe Stuber about Abbott and Costello, meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. We're going to get to that. Right after this. Terror stalks the streets of London. The most dreaded monster of them all strikes again and panic sweeps the city. But two men of intrepid daring fight back. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, co-starring Boris Karloff, twice as menacing as ever. Terror becomes turmoil and the laughs get terrific when Bud and Lou trap the beast among a bevy of beauties and get lost in a house of horrors that would frighten even Frankenstein. Come on, come on! Come on, will you? We can catch you the monster! Give me a hand! Come on! It'll scare you right out of your theater seat. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. An uproarious riot from beginning to end. White Zombie. 
a new novelization of the classic horror movie from award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan. Available now in print and all ebook formats. Find it on Amazon, Smashwords, Drive Through Fiction, and other quality outlets. Also available in a special edition, including the complete movie script. Grab White Zombie before it grabs you. Details at sdsullivan.com. Before we start talking about the movie today on Monster Kid Radio, I have a very important question for you, Joe Stuber. Oh, what is it? Do you believe in the... <laughs> I can't do it with a straight face. <laughs> do you believe in the woman's right to vote? <laughs> I believe in their right to tell you about it through a can-can dance. <laughs> Seriously? This was... It's... Yeah. It's a strange one, man. It's a strange ride today on the show, my friend. Yes, yes. So we're talking about Abbott and Costello meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from 1953, directed by Charles Lamont and starring Jekyll the Jekyll or Jekyll? Which G- one do you go? <laughs> well, you know, he's called a couple of different things throughout the movie. Now, the woman, the main woman in this film calls him Jekyll. It makes yeah. it very clear. And that was, was that Helen called him that? Yep. Played by Vicky Edwards. Helen Westcott, yep. You know, you call him Jekyll, you call him Jekyll. Let's just call him Boris Karloff. Let's call him Boris Karloff. Yeah. That's I always who, say Jekyll, who too. But it's yeah, like I've even in the, Jekyll. Yeah, but even in the movies, it's like, oh, you know, obviously, I thought one of the, the weird things is that it's obviously based on uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But there's so many films out there. And, uh, man, I mean, we'll probably get into this, just the different versions. But, yeah, Jekyll, Jekyll. I mean, it kind of goes back and forth. And even in this movie, it's no different. Yeah, I've heard it so many different ways. Like you said, it's been covered – uh, by so many different film studios. I don't know if Universal did a lot of Jekyll and Hyde films outside of this one and maybe... Well, actually, no, The Silent wasn't even them. So, yeah, Universal no. really didn't play with the Jekyll and Hyde mythos very much, but, like, camera films tapped into it. Uh, you see it turn up on television. It's been done by the BBC. Uh, Julia Roberts appeared in a movie featuring Jekyll and Hyde, sort of. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's definitely monster kid fodder. Yeah. But how is Jekyll pronounced? Well, let's just say Jekyll for, for our purposes here, I suppose. Yeah, and here's the deal. I mean, this this blew me away. I, I don't know if this has even been confirmed, but you know, in, in my research, I found that there are over 123 film versions wow. of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. It says not even including stage and radio. Then you've got all the parodies and imitations. There's the Nutty Professor, uh, you know, and oh, obviously, that's right. yeah. yeah. So that's a variation of it. Stan Lee has credited both Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde and Frankenstein as inspirations for the Incredible Hulk. Kenneth Johnson, executive producer and creator of the Incredible Hulk television series with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno, he has said that he didn't want to do spandex, uh, you know, tights kind of comic booky thing. But Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, Les Mis, kind of a combination. Oh. He was okay with that, so that was an inspiration on that version of the Hulk. I think a lot of people are probably most familiar with either the 1920 uh, silent film with John Barrymore, right? Obviously, the classic. 1931 with uh, version of with Frederick March, who was also in Les Mis, so you got that connection there. Uh, he won the Academy Award, tied for the Academy Award uh, for that. And then the 1941 version, which is a remake of the 31 version, uh, with Spencer Tracy, Ingrid Bergman, and Lana Turner. So you've got a, all these different versions, but you had mentioned, like, is it a universal monster? That's the question. Look, here's my argument. I say that he is. Okay. Here's my argument. Universal... The company started out as Independent Moving Pictures Company, IMP. Okay. IMP produced one horror film, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in 1913. <laughs> <laughs> so between that and Universal's Evan Costello, Meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from 1953, I claim here on Monster Kid Radio that Mr. Hyde is indeed a universal monster. You know, I'm going to give it to you. The 1913 yes. version of the film was co-directed <laughs> by Carl Lemley, the founder of Universal. So, yeah, yes. why not? Let's do it. Now, I haven't seen that version of the film. How I many other either. versions of Jekyll and Hyde have you seen film-wise? One. one. I've seen one. Yeah, one? I saw the 1931. Well, and counting this one, too. Uh, yeah, I saw the Frederick March version. Uh, it's, wow. It's amazing. Oh, it's a great film. The the transformation scenes alone in that, all done with lighting and makeup, is beautiful. It's stunning, yeah. Oh. And and those weren't even like revealed how they did it for like decades. Right. So you got like the dissolves in the later films, but yeah, how they did that is amazing. Go back and watch it and learn about it. It's cool. 
and of course, I have seen the 1970. I can't do this with a straight face either. The 1976 classic Doctor Black, Mister Hyde, but I don't know if that really counts. <laughs> with Bernie Casey, <laughs> with Felix Leiter from Never Say Never Again. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. It's okay. um, it's not as good as Blackula or Blackenstein, but you know, it's there. I actually did see Blackula in theater. I think my sister took it. My sister was like the worst babysitter. I think she took me to like all these films. I just remember bits and pieces of them and just like having my eyes covered through all. Yeah. Very strange. Very strange. But, uh, uh, well, I was going to say there was a year where I was working at a blockbuster video and Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde came out on video. And we ended up playing that in the store repeatedly with Tim Daly. Dr. And Jekyll Sh- and Miss Hyde? Tim Daly and Sean Young. Oh, wow. Yeah. That just sounds. It not did not age well. Good. I've gone back and watched it recently. It didn't age well. Okay. Yeah. No. The, like the Frederick March version is not in any jeopardy here. Exactly. Here's something you're gonna get. Speaking of that version, here's something you're gonna get a kick out of. Yeah. Here in Columbus, Ohio, we got the the uh, Kappa Summer Movie Series, and I've been talking about this on Comic Book Central. They kickstarted the summer movie series this year with Superman, the movie, Christopher Reeve. Oh, Gene Hackman, Marlon Brando. Nice. Nice. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Coming up there, the 1931 version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, as we have been talking about. Really? Shown in its original uncensored pre-code version. Wow. On a double bill with, wait for it, wait for it. You ready? Uh Uh-huh. The Return of the Vampire, 1944, Bela Lugosi. Oh, I love that movie. Totally underrated. I love that movie. You coming out to visit? Come on out to Columbus. Oh, man. You know, if I didn't blow my travel budget on Monster Bash. <laughs> oh, man. I cannot wait. That's going to be pretty cool. And if I wasn't saving up for the next one, come on. <laughs> I know, really. Yeah, it's a little bit more of a hike for you than it is for me. Mine's, yeah, a, mine's yeah. a tank, a half a tank of gas, and I'm there. So when is that happening? When is the Jekyll and Hyde showing happening? Uh, that's coming up probably, uh, let's see, I don't have the exact date, but that's going to be, I think it's sometime in July. Okay. It's going to be the summer movie series, uh, end of July, possibly beginning of August. Uh, but it's the, yeah, the C-A-P-A Kappa summer movie series. So if you just Google that and you go on, sure. they have a whole, uh, they're doing like, You Only Live Twice, James Bond, We Just Saw The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, they're doing they're doing a silent movie, Girl Shy with Harold Lloyd. They have the, the organ, full accompaniment. It's cool. It's it's a great place to be. It's it's probably one of my favorite, if not the favorite, place in Columbus. So cool. And yeah, I saw cool. that. And I thought, oh, Derek's gonna get a kick out of this. It's Bella, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Bella and Doctor Jekyll, and we're talking about Doctor Jekyll. So that's at kappa dot com, c a p a dot com. There'll be a link in the show notes for that. Why don't we talk about the movie though, the one that we are gathered here today to discuss? Uh, we mentioned a couple of the players in the movie. Obviously, it's Abbott and Costello, directed by Charles Lamont. We mentioned Boris Karloff. I mentioned briefly Vicki Edwards and Bruce Adams. He's the other male lead in this. Anybody else of note we want to talk about? I think we kind of covered everybody except for who doubled Karloff when he was in the hide makeup. Yeah, and we'll talk, I think, a little bit about the stuntmen uh, as we yeah. go through. Reginald Denny is the inspector. He's just, the, this kind of like slow burn that he has through the whole movie is pretty cool. I mean, there's some good comedic moments Yes, uh, sir. Him. And we will definitely get into Batley. Uh, John, uh, John yeah. Dierkus. Is it Dierkus or Dierkus? I don't know much about him, so uh, your guess is as good as mine. We'll mind. get into that. that that's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. But, you know, you talk about Karloff. Karloff had appeared, obviously, in an, a previous Abbott and Costello mm-hmm. outing that you and I have discussed. Abbott and Costello meet the killer Boris Karloff. Spoiler alert, he's not the killer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've discussed that at length. He had a small role in that. It was more in name only. They were trying to sell it by the name. We liked right. the film. Yeah, it was all right. It was good. I mean, there are a lot of great moments in it, but he has a much more expanded role, obviously, in this movie. So this is where Ab and Costello really do get to meet the killer, Boris Karloff. And he's great. And I actually prefer Karloff in this than... Meet the Killer. I think in Meet the Killer, he's playing the character pretty straight. He's only in a few minutes. I yeah, mean, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's a cameo. It's a glorified cameo. It really so. is. But I liked him in this one quite a bit. I love this little mustache and his kind of the yeah. air that he walked around. It just it was really good. He was very well done. Oh, he's so snarky. He's oh, so yeah. snarky in this. And I love the fact that he just has these moments, these little these little mentions that he has. And I'm just like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, he turns out to be evil, but whatever. <laughs> well, and, and that's interesting you bring that up, actually. This is one of the few Jekyll and Hyde stories that I've seen or experienced where – Dr. Jekyll is actually kind of a, an evil guy to begin with. He, normally, Jekyll's kind of the, the good guy, the altruistic one. 
Yeah. But in this one, Jekyll's very like, well, I've got to go kill somebody, so I'm going to shoot up and get it done. Yeah, that's the weird part about this. Now, have you read the original novella by Robert Louis Stevenson? I have. Okay, see, I have not. So I don't know the basic story. I know some of the films we talked about, there's a billion films out there, but they deviate from it somewhat. What I got, again, my only experience is the Frederick March version. My, what, the, what I got is Dr. Uh, Henry Jekyll is he's pretty good. He, he's a good guy. He, he means well. He's ambitious, but yeah. Yeah, and he's trying to see if I get this right. He's trying to see if he can separate the evil persona that dwells within all of man to isolate it and, I don't know, remove it but put it away somewhere. And it turns out that that's what comes back to haunt him. Is that fair enough? That's, 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 yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. This one, all bets are off. <laughs> Jekyll's evil. Yeah, you're right. It's like it's like I want to kill everybody, and I need this juice to do it. So that's kind of like where we go with this. Yeah, because he's like really bad. It's like, they laughed at me and my research. I must kill them. You know, this woman does not want to do what I want her to do. I must kill her. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, like Karloff is really dark. Yes, he is. And it's an Abbott and Costello movie. Like, how dark can you get? Abbott and Costello playing some new characters named, unfortunately. <laughs> Aw, so politically incorrect. Yeah, Slim and Tubby. You can yeah. guess who's who. Yeah. And I think it's in, in the original script. It's not in the movie, so you don't get it. But it's like Slim Hawkins is Abbott and Tubby Tweedles is Lou. Really? Tweedles? Yeah. Tubby Tweedles and Slim Hawkins. Oh. It's, it's Bud and Lou. We've talked about this before. Yeah, it's Bud and Lou, Lou, but that's pretty unfortunate. I know. <laughs> yeah, we've got Karloff as Dr. Henry Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Vicki Edwards, you mentioned, as Helen Westcott. Peter Gunn himself, Bruce Adams as Craig Stevens, the Reginald Denny as the inspector. And, man, we are going to get to Batley. I can't wait to get to Batley. <laughs> well, you know what? Why don't we just talk about Batley? Well, let's get, you know, we're both excited about Batley. Well, first, is this, speaking of Karloff, though, is this the first time, I think this is the first time since Son of Frankenstein he's been monsterfied. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I believe he... that's like 15 years earlier. Like, he hadn't really been in the makeup in quite some time, so... And and before we get to it, very controversial film. It's like the only Abbott and Costello movie that's X-rated, technically. Really? Yeah, because like in Britain, they had an X rating for horror. So like if you were under 16, you couldn't get into a movie. So they rated it X, obviously different wow. than our 1970s version, the you know American X. But technically, if you want to call it, it's, a, it's the only Abbott and Costello X-rated film. <laughs> that, is, that is just bizarre to me. Yeah, it's kind well, of crazy. Well, it's that can-can dance is what it is. <laughs> it probably, probably put it over the top. Oh, I wish I could remove that from my eyes. <laughs> yeah, but have it, yeah. We want to talk about Batley? I, I had no idea what I was in for when I – I haven't seen this one before. I, I haven't seen a lot of the Abbott and Costello movies, and we've talked about that before. So I had no idea that Dr. Jekyll had kind of a creepy lab assistant, except this guy wasn't short and hunched over. This was a a tall guy doing his best Rondo Hatton impersonation. (laughs) Wow. I thought he was kind of like a creepy cross between Buddy Epson and Richard Keel. (laughs) That was my, like, (laughs) you and I probably are watching this thing going, what? (laughs) It's so bad. And he just speaks in grunts, like, yeah. Okay. Oh. Uh, John Derricks. Derricks? I don't know. He's also in the classic The Thing, so there you he go. He could have been The Thing in that makeup. <laughs> that... <laughs> Absolutely. I think he was scarier than the actual thing. <laughs> You're right. It was, yeah. It's it's weird, isn't it? Is it me or is it weird? No, not at all. This guy okay. was creepy in this movie. And this... Yeah. And the relationship between the two and how they I, – I don't know, man. It was just yeah. creepy. How do you meet this guy? Yeah. How does Carl? Because Karloff lives in like this big old honking mansion mm-hmm. and he's got the fake bookcase spins around and you go into the, the underground lair and you know all the crazy stuff. And sure. you know, Carl, he's like this well-to-do. But yeah, how do you meet Batley? Like, <laughs> where, how, how does this guy into your life? Where did Patley come from? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I think that that alone is worth the price of admission. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but we're in, you know, and it doesn't yeah. even mention, I don't know if you know, but it, obviously the movie, like when you talk about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, it's set in the 1880s. 
I'm guessing. It doesn't really specifically mention that, but as you kind of go through, you get, okay, we're in the 1880s. Yeah. You're more into the Karloff vibe, the monster vibe. Like, you know all the movies that he kind of did around this era. Is this sure. one of the creepiest performances he's had, or did he go creepier? This was pretty creepy. Okay. Uh, the, it was pretty creepy. I mean, he Karloff seemed to relish playing these deep kind of evil characters when he turns the evil on man he is evil i would recommend listeners check out the movie the black cat to see how evil and dark he can go you saw that dead monster bash right didn't they play that i did not sit through it i'd seen it before i'd actually seen it as a film print here in portland a few years ago but i mean i love that movie it's fantastic and karloff is just deliciously bad in that one yeah in evan costello meet dr jekyll or dr jekyll and mr hyde (laughs) he is this kind of leering sneering kind of yeah leering is leering is it well and we were talking earlier about how he has all these snarky comments he doesn't even have to speak he's shooting these eyes at people just giving these looks he's basically with vicky yeah. Um, he's basically with Vicki Edwards, who played by, as we mentioned, Helen Westcott. I, there's like this whole backstory where like her father died. He took her in as a child. Mm-hmm. Did I do I get this right? He waited for her to grow up so he could marry her. That was the vibe that I got. Which... Yeah, and he was like shaping her to be the woman he wanted. Ugh. Yeah, again, real creepy. And then like you know, if you haven't seen the film, there's this whole opening scene where you know it's the suffragette <laughs> movement. They're, you know, they're pushing for the women's right to vote. And they decide to tell that in a can-can Rockettes type of dance. I don't know how that gets their point across. But there's a reporter there, studly you know, reporter played by Peter Gunn himself, <laughs> Bruce Adams, who's, I'll tell your story in the paper, but he just really wants to hit on Vicky. Sure. And so there's this love triangle now. Those are our two leads. And then so Dr. Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll is like, you're horning in on this girl that I've been grooming since child, oh, childhood. And, you, know, you put it that way, it just sounds awful, but that's so exactly I what it is. I put it one way. It's the movie. Yeah. <laughs> they, the, the screenwriters put it that way. <laughs> but look, am I wrong? Is that how this plays out? No, no. I mean, you are not wrong. That is pretty much it. You're right. Yeah. Bruce, uh, the, the reporter, Craig Stevens, is very... Like, yeah, I'll, I'll tell your story, but uh, why don't we do it over dinner and we go out and have a wonderful time together alone? You tell yeah, me all what's your about address? It. Exactly. Yeah. And Dr. Jekyll is not too happy about <laughs> the reporter moving in. No, uh, what's the line? They, like, they share a horse-drawn carriage together. And like, what's Karloff's line? He's like, like they, he jumps in the back next to Vicky, and then all of a sudden Karloff's like, oh, I'm sorry if I'm crowding you. You know, like all these snarky little Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. And, crowding. Oh, no, I'm quite comfortable back here. Yeah, like snuggled up next to Vicky, and then he's like, he thinks he's going to let him out at one stop. He's like, nah, all right, I've got a friend downtown. He's like, oh, well, maybe my driver can drive you all across town to meet all of your friends. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) He's so cool in this. So there's an element that Karloff is really cool and then really creepy. So I kind of go back and forth on the film. Right. Yeah, it's almost as if he's like hide light (laughs) when he's Dr. Jekyll. And then he goes full on hide when he takes the formula and. He gets himself going. You notice um, two cast members we haven't talked about yet. Evan Costello. Oh, well, that's true. We probably haven't talked about the boys. Right. Did you get a sense that like the first half hour, they're just like these like supporting roles? This movie is weird for me as I go through these films with you because one, they feel like secondary characters for a long period of time. And yeah. two, none of the women are hitting on Lou. That's where we break the template. Yeah, all the monster movies up until because remember Abbott's like, well, I don't get it. What do they see in you? You know, we kind of go back to early Abbott and Costello, where there's the really good-looking couple and they're the main characters. Abbott and Costello come in as a supporting role. There's musical numbers. We kind of break the monster template a little bit here, so it's a little different. I don't know that I, I don't know that it really works. You know, I didn't mind it so much, uh, and I think part of that's because I've been broadening my Abbott and Costello viewing anyway. I think I mentioned over on your show, or did I mention it here, where I've been going back and watching a lot of the Colgate Comedy Hour TV yeah. shows that they had done. So I've been going back and you know, taking in more Abbott and Costello, listening to uh, the old-time radio with them, that sort of thing. So I didn't mind it so much, but I did notice that it was different. Because up until this point, for whatever, that was one of the shticks. That was one of the jokes. Yep. And we don't have that here. And you mentioned that they do feel like supporting characters. Through the beginning of this movie, I'd say maybe the first 20, I'm... I don't know, I didn't check the watt, I checked my clock, my running time, but it does feel like that this is almost a straight, you know, monster movie 
with a couple of comedians in supporting roles. It doesn't feel like that comedy monster mash that we normally get. Now, we do get to some great set pieces, especially with Lou, to really highlight the comedy. So that doesn't get completely forgotten. But it is a different vibe. Yeah, it is. And it's and obviously we're in London. We're, you know, in, in late 1800s London. And it's, it's somehow Bud and Lou are now policemen. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> we were barely buying them as detectives from Meet the Invisible Man. Uh-huh. Now they've somehow, they're on the police force. And it's like this exchange program where they're <laughs> like learning how English cops work. And how, you know, but then it's like they're drummed out of the force. So they're trying to get back on the force. So they're going to try to catch the killer. That's the whole, you know, kind of concept of they're going to catch the monster. They're going to catch the killer that's on the loose. You know, there's a murder at the beginning of the film. And so they're going to do this to get back on the police force. And so that's their motivation as they move through. And then Bruce Adams, the reporter, you know, he wants the story for his newspaper. So he becomes an unlikely ally and the three of them are going. And then, of course, the Jekyll Hyde thing gets Helen involved and everybody's got to save Helen and madcap stuff starts happening. I mean, this movie goes off the rails for me at one point and I loved it. Off the rails good? Off the rails good. Okay. Yeah, yeah fair this enough. Movie, I, I still think I like Meet the Invisible Man a little bit better, but there are some wonderful moments in this movie that it's just like, really? Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but tubby turns into a mouse i mean come on (laughs) yeah he does i love that yeah i don't know that i look i've seen it a bunch of times i I don't know that i ever get it because he he, he obviously drinks the potion you know the conceit is that that dr jekyll drinks a potion it separates the the hide part from him and he goes and does horrible things this one it's dr jekyll is evil he drinks the potion to kind of allow him to do the evil things to allow him to cross over into action as, as opposed to thought. But then, yeah, Luke Costello's tubby drinks the potion. Uh, he gets it and turns into a mouse. So I don't get that because he also drinks it later and turns into a version of Hyde. Well, did he um, drink it later or did he get injected later? Oh, he got injected with it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he gets the, the stuff in him somehow. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> But it's just, it's a little, that part's a little over, over the map to me. Um, but I do like the scene in the bar where, for some reason, Bud's not looking at him at all, and he doesn't get that he's a mouse. And that's why I loved it so much, because it gave okay. them an opportunity to play off of each other doing the, you know, uh, the physical acting, the physical comedy. Yeah, but it's not Lou. That's not Lou. It's I Vic know, Parks. But it, I mean, but that, that's gave, his stuntman, Vic Parks and Karloff. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah. But it gave me a chance to watch Bud act again, and that's what I like. Okay, I'll and that get, was okay, one of the things that enough. I really liked about Invisible Man was yeah, the sequence enough. with just Bud. So, yeah, and we talked about that in the last when we talked about Invisible Man, how good of an actor Bud really is. Uh, so yeah, there's those kind of takes. One other thing that's that's really different from this, and when you think about it, um, and, and I thought this was interesting too. Again, we've talked about how these monster movies rejuvenated the careers of Abbott and Costello, how it made Abbott and Costello hot again, right? Uh, you know, so to speak. We talk about the television show. Uh, after Invisible Man, that was kind of like where they were going into the television show again. That re- rejuvenated their careers. This was interesting. So not only they were on, as you mentioned, the Colgate Comedy Hour, but they were in this. Um, their popularity surged again. The films, these films were re-released in Society, Keep Them Flying, and Buck Privates. Okay. United Artists released, re-released Africa Screams. They had, between the last time you and I spoke, on Invisible Man, they had Ab and Costello meet Captain Kidd, Ab and Costello go to Mars, and Ab and Costello meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Seven Ab and Costello films on the market in 1953. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of Ab and Costello out there. Now, one thing you notice that deviates in this film from the other ones, we don't have any of the burlesque routines. We don't have any of the wordplay. The you know misunderstanding of the words and, and kind of you know that back and forth dialogue. This right. is total slapstick. This is Three Stooges territory. It does kind of verge into that a little bit, and I oh, to me it's the whole thing. Really? To me it's the whole thing. Yeah, I just see this as one big Three Stooges movie. If you, it just seemed more appropriate for them, or even you know Gilligan's Island, Skipper and Little Buddy, the you know take your hat off, smack you over the head with you know it's that 
it's hmm. really Gilligan and, and Skipper. I could see that. Now that you bring that up, I could definitely see that. I think there are still some some clever moments in here that I would attribute more to the Abbott and Costello style of thing, uh, specifically at the very beginning when the camera is moved in on the jail cell and the women are in jail talking about how yeah. they shouldn't be arrested and you know they are demanding that Ben and Lou let them out. Let, the, let you out? Well, what about letting us out? And then the camera pulls back to reveal that they're also in jail with them. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a clever little moment. But, yeah, I could see that. You're right. There wasn't the, the snappy back and forth, the patter no, there, that we're used to seeing. Yeah, Abbott and Costello are based on a style. We talk about the cadence. We talk about the routines. We talk about all those different things. And even what makes the other kind of monster movies so great is that you'll get these great sight gags. You'll get the physical comedy. But there's mm-hmm. always like a little line afterward. You know, or Lou will say something, you know, like, you know, Lon Chaney would be like, oh, when the moon is full, I turn into a wolf. Yeah, you and 20,000 other guys, you know, or 20 million <laughs> other guys. You know, it's like all those little lines that we have. There's they're very few and far between here. You know, like Lou will walk past a dressing room with, you know, dancers in there and he's like, hmm, girls. You know, it's like these little lines. It's like, okay. But for the most part, a lot of that's missing. And, and I miss it. That's what I like about Evan Costello. So it's pretty much a straight up monster movie slash slapstick three stooges kind of thing and i'm i'm okay with it but it's i i miss i i missed Abbott and costello in this one i see where you're coming from and i agree with you that it does feel very plug and play it could have been any comedy team yeah. in a lot of this although i do love the scene in which lou drops down into the wax museum <laughs> I knew that was. I knew that would be your favorite. That, that was my favorite scene because it is Lou doing his kind of childlike, kind of oh, where am I here? Oh, here's the monsters, you know. And, and we get, I guess you can even call him a cameo of Frankenstein's monster and Dracula and all them. They're in there in the wax museum. Yeah, there are. I okay. just wish they kind of had done a little bit more with it. Maybe. Yeah. It was just kind of like, oh, hey, remember this movie? Uh, and there's a weird part where like an electrical line comes down and animates Frankenstein's monster. Sure. Okay. And, Why the, and not? all the wax figures are played by actors, so they're not like really wax figures. Like you can tell they're actors. Yeah. So That's you true. almost kind of expect them to come to life. And in the original script, I think a few of them did. Uh, you know, I think like George Washington did. So, well, why is George Washington in London Museum? I don't know. But it's like, I think a few of them kind of came to life. And there were more sight gags, I think, that were supposed to go on there. It, it seems incomplete to me. Yeah. So I, I think there were supposed to be some more things there. But, yeah, it's cool. I love seeing the monsters again. Yeah, it was. I liked that, and I liked the finale. Uh, I didn't have a problem with another transformation taking place and another Mr. Hyde. I think the ending for this held together just a little bit better than the final joke that we got in Invisible Man. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if we're, we're going right to the ending? Well, like I mean, actual, actual ending? Things, we can. I mean, I just wanted to talk about some of the things that I liked about the movie because I agree there are so many issues here. Yeah, much better of, ending, much yeah. bigger ending, yeah. much freakier ending. It is an odd, I mean, they pull out all the stops and I'm not sure whose idea it was if it was an original script. Bud Westmore did the makeup on this and he got to do a lot of Mr. Hyde makeups. You know, we talk about some of the transformations and things too and it's yeah. like, I wish they had known how they did the 31 version uh, because we get the dissolves you know the and I thought those dissolves were done better in Meet Frankenstein with the Wolfman with Lon Chaney. I thought those were kind of done a little bit better in there. Sure, uh, I'm just okay with them here. Strong points for me: Karloff as Doctor Jekyll. I thought he was great and very creepy. Is he and like at even one point it's like is he Doctor Moreau? I mean, you go into his lab and he's like crossbreeding animals. Yeah, you know, he's got was... rabbits that act like dogs, monkeys that sound like cows. There's like all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's not just even like the split personality thing going on. He's like doing freaky deaky things with like crossbreeding animals. Right. And yeah, I mean, there's all those kind of things going on. Great chase scenes. we got the rooftop chases along in London and the fog and some great sets. This is where you'd mentioned earlier, the stuntmen, uh, mm-hmm. Eddie Parker, doubling Boris Karloff, Vic Parks, who doesn't have the same body type as Lou. So that absolutely not. That's a little difficult. He's yeah. got a stuntman's body, and Lou doesn't have a stuntman's body. Um, <laughs> interesting note on there, though. Those rooftop chases, uh-huh. I love them, but, man, they were intense. There were some injuries on there. Eddie oh, Parker they? doubling Karloff broke his foot. Vic Parks doubling Lou pulled a leg muscle while they were filming these things. So, yeah, the, what we like about it, they gave up a little bit for this because they were injured on the set uh, doing those. So some great chase scenes. 
Oh, the, uh, the rooftop stuff, and then they call him back to the police station all the time. Oh, yeah. That's you know, he's the inspector. Right. You were talking about the slow burn there at the end. Um, yeah. I, I liked that a lot. I mean, I could see where it was going. It was a little predictable. I was like, oh, yeah, of course. But I still liked that. Yeah. Like he keeps getting the reports back. They're like, they're over here. Then they're because at this point, as we mentioned, Lou gets the serum and he turns into like a secondary version of Hyde. Mister Hyde's running over there. Lou's running, you know, in different directions. But there's like always cops in the inspector's office. Is it? Did you find that strange? It's like they're always like standing there, ready to be assigned. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. you three go here, and then comes in, and there's like three different cops, and he's like, you three go there. It's like, yep. they're like Pez, like Pez dispensers. <laughs> like coming. It's like this little generator right outside the room, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was like this in, police, so. poli- this Bobby generator or something like that. Yeah, it was so strange, <laughs> so strange. But yeah, definitely great chase scenes. And you talk about the climax. I mean, there's a couple different. Well, there's a couple different areas where the film comes to an end we talk about the end of dr jekyll Mm -hmm. what did you think about that you know i like my monsters to be monstrous i like my monsters to have i don't know specific ways that you have to end them you know vampire takes a stake in the heart zombies bullet to the head you know whatever i like my monsters to have these little things so with the way dr jekyll kind of finds or mr hyde kind of comes to his end and it just felt a little anticlimactic to me. Agreed. I completely agree. And again, depending on which source you believe, um, again, one of the greatest books I have is Abbott Costello in Hollywood. It gives you so much backstory. There was supposed to be a different ending for that. Oh, really? It was supposed to be much more horrific. Yeah, Karloff was supposed to grab Vicky and like jump to their deaths. Wow. If I can't have her, nobody can have her. Because we talked about how like he groomed her for this. They're supposed to. She's supposed to marry. Uh, you know, our intrepid reporter, they're supposed to be go off and they be get beautiful together. Quick. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very quickly and go off and have beautiful children together. And, and, and Karloff doesn't want to stand for this. So he was supposed to like take her out the window and we're going to end our lives together. And somehow like she grabs on the ledge. She's grabbed at the last second, pulled in. Karloff goes down. And, and so, yeah, I think it's very anticlimactic, but I would have kind of preferred that ending huh. to see, you know, like how demented he was or like how far he was going to take this. So. I thought that was a little strange too, uh, but then of course you know he he dies and then uh, again we have a secondary ending where we have the monster which is Tubby, <laughs> you know who's been <laughs> chasing all and Bud captures him. Hey, I'm going to get back in the police force. He thinks he captured you know the real Mister Hyde and goes into the station there and then yeah it gets weird, doesn't it? Man, it was just odd. Yeah. I'm dancing around whether or not I want to. I don't want to spoil the the ultimate. You know, we spoiled the ending of Invisible Man. Well, of course we do. It's, the yeah. movie's been out there forever. So if you don't want to hear it, hit push pause, go watch, and come back. <laughs> the Hyde transformation is transmitted by bite. Yeah, tell yeah, tell me he goes nuts and bites everybody. All the all the bobbies in the room. What? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it bites all the bobbies. That it, it did kind of come out of the blue. I mean, I I didn't mind seeing a room full of. Mr. Hyde's. I mean, I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah. But there was a weird ending to that. I love this ending. I love oh, this you? ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I thought the ending of Invisible Man was cute, but strange. Like, yeah, that one, you know, that one Luke kind of turns invisible, and then all of a sudden his bottom part is backwards, which doesn't really make any sense. But this one, it's like he bites everybody and turns them all into monsters. And then they end up, like, all the monsters slash police officers chase Bud and Lou out. And it doesn't end. This was cool. There's Jeffrey Miller's book, uh, The Horror Spoofs of Abin Costello, his critical assessment of them. I mean, it's an okay book. He reads a lot of Freudian things into it. But one thing I thought he was cool was he mentions that the director of Reanimator and From Beyond, Stuart Gordon, he mentioned (laughs) that, yeah, he mentioned in an interview how much that ending affected him of this film. Like, Like when he recounted it, he, like, Remember, like, Abbott and Costello turning into monsters. It wasn't that. It was, like, them them all turning into monsters and chasing them. But he said it didn't have an, a comfortable ending. The movie just didn't end. It just kept going, and that's what freaked me out. And that's how I took it. It's like it. the movie doesn't end. They huh. all turn into monsters. They're chasing Abbott and Costello, and they go out into the street, and there's, like, another movie that happens that we don't see. That's true. Yeah, I mean, this thing could have been set up for a sequel i guess i don't know it does just kind of have this open ending which is fine i mean i don't need everything to kind of close as a like a book and then you're done but right 
I like it. I think it's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a very twisted ending for an Abbott Costello movie. It's not like a it's not like a funny ending. It's like monsters are chasing you to kill you, and they're coming after Abbott Costello, and the movie just ends with them being you know run out of the place. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's very different. It's 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 a bug nuts crazy Abbott Costello <laughs> monster flick that it doesn't follow the template. It's got Frank Skinner's creepy Frankenstein score in it, so that's kind of uh, cool. Yeah. So the music, there was, my understanding is that there was no original music actually composed for this film. It was nothing but stock music, Frank Skinner's music, Hans J. Salter, Henry Mancini. I recognize cues from other Universal films, including Meet Frankenstein in this thing. Yeah, and we you've got all that, so that's kind of cool. So there are a lot of cool elements to it. But again, it's a mixed bag for me. It's a lot of strange elements. It's a very cool ending. It has a unique place in the Abbott and Costello Meet the Monster series. How did it do when it came out? Do you know? Uh, it did really well. Yeah, okay. it tested really well, tested through the roof. You know, I think people Monday morning quarterback did critics have over the years. Uh, you know, how it doesn't hold up. And, of course, you get Meet the Mummy coming in. That may impact a little bit, too. But yeah, it says the picture had the best sneak preview of any Abbott and Costello since Meet Frankenstein. Film became a surprise hit. So. Oh wow. Yeah, it says uh, from uh, Film Daily said pulls out all the comedy stops. Um, the Los Angeles Mirror said Robert Louis Stevenson doesn't get any screen credit, which is true, uh, although he invented the quick change, virtuous, become vile dual character. Uh, let's see, Los Angeles Times. If Robert Louis Stevenson is turning over in his grave, it's probably only so he can get into a more comfortable position for a belly laughs. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It worked out. Evan Costello were red hot at this point. You know, the monster movies rejuvenated their career. This was in the middle of all that. There's a lot of Evan Costello going on. I'm just, I mean, I'm okay with it. I, I don't think it's the strongest one. I think when you put it in the time perspective that it probably did well. Uh, I like Invisible Man better. Oh, Doesn't yeah. come close to meet Frankenstein. No, but, uh, it has its moments. It has Bud and Lou, and it has Boris Karloff. Well, we mentioned Meet the Mummy. This is the second to the last of the Meet the Monster series. So we're near the end. We're getting to, toward the end of things here. And, and I have not seen Meet the Mummy either. I'm eager to get into that one because I love me a mummy movie. Yeah. So. I mean, it's again, it's not only getting near the end of it. It's getting near the end of the, the boy's career, comedy career, too. So, you know, we you just have to put that into perspective. I was looking at the filmography, and I'm a little shocked that this is what, like, the fourth – the third or fourth film before the end of them doing films together. Yep. Which yeah, so makes me kind of sad. A little <laughs> bittersweet. I mean, I know this happened, what, 50 plus years ago, but now I'm kind of sad about that. A little bittersweet, yeah. But you know what? I, I think you and I talked off air. You know, there's that movie, Meet the Mummy, but there's there might be another one out there that we could – kind of go revisit so we talked about that i don't know if we want to we want to spill the beans just yet but uh but there might be a nice a nice uh way to wrap around and and kind of put a you know come full circle with the boys so that we don't we don't end on two down a note (laughs) because it it is toward the end of their career with meet the mummy um so but i think you and i might be able to put a positive spin on the uh the evan costello spooky scary films well it's been positive for me because i get to go through and watch these movies some of them i've never seen before and i get to talk to a guy who knows a heck of a lot more about the boys than i do (laughs) so i'm constantly learning every time you mention that book that you enjoy so much i always mean to write it down and i always forget what was the name of the book that you keep referencing oh i love it it's one of my favorite books abin costello in hollywood it's a 50th uh at the time a 50th anniversary celebration of the most popular comedy duo ever it just breaks down all their films uh, right just on. gives you all the backstory. So many great pictures. We've got uh, Lou. Remember the scene where he falls off the roof and he gets hung up in the laundry? Yeah, yeah. We got the preps there. Uh, we've got uh, the stuntman. You know, all all dressed up uh, as Hyde, kind of lighting Bud's cigar. Uh, you know, there. So there, there's some cool <laughs> behind the scenes moments there. There's Lugosi, Strange. There's Cheney. There's all kinds of great stuff in there. So yeah, if you can find the book, get it. Well, I'll definitely look for that myself because once we get done with Meet the Mummy, I know I want to keep Abbott and Costello coming in. So I'll go through and go back and watch some of the other movies Absolutely. and use that as my guide. If not, well, chatting with you. <laughs> <laughs> Final words about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I think it's good, but I, I don't know if I liked it as much. I agree with you as Invisible Man or Meet, the, Meet Frankenstein, although I did like it better than Meet the Killer. Uh, I think I agree with all that. Yeah, I think I agree with all that. I can't say anything different. Uh, I think that's that kind of puts it in perspective. Uh, it's still the boys. It's still Karloff. It's really strange. You get your moments. Uh, you do get your moments in it. Uh, but it kind of breaks the template. It kind of gets away uh, from, from the Abbott Costello we know. 
uh, and puts them more in a slapstick category for me, which they don't really fit into. That's to me is more Three Stooges. So, yeah, it's good. I mean, get it. You could you could you could do worse. You could there, there are worse ways to spend seventy three minutes. It's over in seventy three minutes. So even if you don't like it, it's not that long. There are worse ways to spend seventy three minutes. Somebody put that on Wikipedia. <laughs> is that the blurb? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, right, I love Karloff's performance. He's yeah. really good in it. He's yeah, he really, is. really good. And he takes it. I think he takes the film up uh, another notch, which here on Monster Kid Radio, that's what you want. Well, if people want more of you, they can find you over on oh, Comic Book Central. <laughs> What's more of me? <laughs> Don't do that to them. Yes, they can. Thank you. ComicBookCentral.net, right? ComicBookCentral.net. You get all the episodes of Comic Book Central. Uh, we are on Facebook, Comic Book Central Network. And also, you can tweet me at the Tweety Tweety Twitter, comic book CTRL. Hashtag share the lair. Oh, that's so nice of you to do that. (laughs) Bless your heart. I'm not very active on Twitter myself, so I've got to do something here. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I don't know how it works. What's the end of Wizard of Oz? I can't come back. I don't know how it works. (laughs) So we'll make sure there's links to all of this in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. Joe? Thank you for taking some time to talk about another Abbott and Costello monster up, and thank you for not letting it go too long. We waited way too long between the last two installments, so thank you for coming back, man. Oh, thank you for inviting me, and I had a blast at Monster Bash with you. That was oh, uh, so fun. Thank you for your help. Enjoyed meeting you. Had a great weekend, and we've got to do it again. We've got to. we got to find a way. Start saving up now. Doing it now. Big thanks to Joe for doing this. Man, I think I like this movie a lot more than he did, but in terms of the meat, the monster filmography, it's down there at the bottom of the list. Frankenstein and the Invisible Man are still tops for me. One thing that I didn't mention or comment on when we were talking about the movie, Joe mentioned that this movie is supposed to be set like in the 1880s, but if that's the case... Why did the House of Wax have a flat top head Frankenstein's monster? Because that monster didn't come about until 1931 when it appeared in the original Universal film. The Dracula is also very clearly inspired by the Bela Lugosi representation. So kind of hard to really nail down an exact year when this took place, but it does have that kind of old England feel, at least in terms of the uniforms and you know the suffragette movie. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what the time period was? Do you really have to nail down its place in history? I mean, really? It's Abbott and Costello, right? Now we have one more Abbott and Costello movie to do in our Abbott and Costello meet series. We're going to be doing Meet the Mummy down the line. That'll be happening here in the near future. And then as Joe alluded to, we do have another Abbott and Costello film that we're going to cover here on the show after that's all said and done. We're going to go back to an earlier time in their career, a younger Abbott and Costello in a movie with Richard Carlson. And that's all I want to say other than don't mess with Richard Carlson. Now, if you have any comments for anything that we've talked about here on Monster Kid Radio, either in this episode or any of the previous 112 episodes, you can find our contact information over at monsterkidradio.net. But if you got a pen and paper, I'll tell you right now, you can email us at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Also, we have a voicemail line at 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5657. KR. You can call and leave us a voicemail. It's a Google voicemail, so it has a three-minute limit. So keep that in mind. Of course, if you wanted to do something longer or even more produced, you can always send us an MP3 file to our monsterkidradio at gmail.com email address. I hope you join us back here on Monster Kid Radio for our interview with the Ultimate Abbott and Costello Tribute Show. I've been going through and editing that interview. I wasn't even in the room, so I'm enjoying listening to it as I edit it, and I hope you guys and gals dig it when it goes out on the show here in two days. Between now and then, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, it does not apply to the song, Die Laughing. That belongs to the band, Wave Sauce. You can find out more about them over at wavesauce.com or if you're in the Portland, Oregon area, you can catch them live at Hollywood Babylon Friday, July 25th. Hollywood Babylon is a vintage, pre-loved modern indie thrift store here in Portland. You can find them over at babylonvintage.com. Again, they're playing Friday, July 25th 
Show starts at 8.30 p.m. Also, they are one of the performers at this year's TikiCon here in Portland. Find out more about that over at TikiCon.com. Unfortunately, I'm not able to attend this year, but if you do, check them out at the Saturday Night Show. They appear on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission, so we thank them for that. Talk to everybody here in a couple of days. on the theremin over here. Rocker. Joel on bass. Masher. And Doug here on the drums. Pete on guitar. <laughs>